When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Any good stories from the road? Pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Evening, everybody. West Blankenship, Palmer Tom's in on the Georgia show tonight. We will talk about Lad McConkey's own reconnaissance. We'll talk about the new stadium plans for Jacksonville as Georgia and Florida. We just talked about it a few days ago. Apparently, you're going to stay down there for a few more years. And uh, there's a lot to talk about with that design for that new stadium as they retrofit TIAA Bank and we'll wrap things up with a little bit of Q and a from our message board over at dogs HQ Palmer. Let's start with lad McConkey though. Uh, he's made a little bit of a reconnaissance this off season as Jim Nagy was watching some film on the guy and learned something about number 84 that we already know he's a baller. Yeah. I mean, you're right. We, we absolutely do know that having seen him play uh, at an incredibly high level, uh, the last two seasons, uh, last year especially, being a big part of that passing game. Not that he wasn't in uh, in 2021, but I think losing Jermaine Burton and Lab McConkey becoming a bigger part of that offense in 2022 uh, really helped out his his film and helped out his draft stock. And, and I mean, we were having serious conversations about whether Lad was going to go three and out after redshirting his first year and not playing at all his first year and being an, a complete afterthought. Um, so that says a lot about the kind of player that he is. Um, you know, so sometimes I think being invited to the senior bowl, having to go to the senior bowl, I think some people can see that as a knock, um, you know, but to me, I, you know, there's lad doesn't have to go. He can, he's proven it in the sec uh, and he's, probably going to prove it again this year. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a you know big testament to the kind of player that he is that he's receiving this kind of conversation. He's, you know, barely six feet tall and 185 pounds. You, you just don't expect that from a guy like Vlad, um, you know, drawing all the, the Patriots wide receivers comparisons. <laughs> well, it could be a Philadelphia Eagle. Um, I think Jim Nagy certainly wants Vlad McConkey to attend the senior bowl. Maybe this was his recruiting pitch uh, with this tweet here. Um, but if you're listening, audio only, we got the tweet from Nagy up on the screen, and here's what he said. This guy, Georgia football wide receiver Lad McConkey, generated good discussion among a group of former NFL players during tape study session at day one of senior bowl scout school yesterday. Uh, I wonder what scout school looks like. I wonder how yeah, intense we, that we, is. We weren't invited to scout school. No, we didn't get to uh, bring our backpacks and 
brand new pencil boxes to uh, scout school. But Nagy says we predict he's far more talented than many people will give him credit for in early stages of pre-draft process, perhaps until they see him up close in mobile. Um, there's the invitation that I was referring to plenty to like on junior tape, high four, three, low four, four play speed can accelerate and decelerate. I think we can all do that. Gets deep creates after the catch outside, inside position, flex sturdy. Um, that's a good trait, highly competitive blocker. You have to be, if you're going to play receiver at Georgia and next level, um, punt return skills. So he says if Lab McConkey cleans up some untimely drops, he'll have a chance to ascend to top 100 prospect by next April. Um, you know, Wes, I'll, I'll be honest. The I did not put punt return together with PR. I was like, what do you think it was public relations? I, I was like, he's he's really good at public relations. I mean, <laughs> I you know that that's that's the journalism major in me. No, but I mean, having talked to Lad. Uh, Many times, you know, he, he's really good with the media, so he probably would be pretty good at PR. Oh, I don't doubt it. Um, I want to pull up another tweet on top of that one uh, from Terrence Edwards, who quote tweeted Jim Nagy. And if you're not on Twitter, I apologize. This is a lot to keep up with, I understand. Uh, but here's what Terrence Edwards, the dog's great himself, had to say. He said, Lad was a quarterback in high school, and he started training with me to prepare for his transition to wide receiver. The first thing that I noticed was his natural ability to catch the football. He's an athlete, man. I think his drops are a blip, not a trend. And I think we saw that bear to be true throughout Georgia's season. He had a really tough stretch against Kent State. Um, I don't remember if Samford was in there, too, or not. No. No, Samford wasn't in there, but it it did feel like he had a couple of drops against Missouri, and that was kind of just everybody in that game. Yeah, so I think, yeah, that's where the bleed over was with some yeah. of those drops. But um, he's such a weapon, man. That, that Mississippi State game comes to mind to me when he had that end around for like 75 yards or something crazy. Yes, and, uh, 70 yard rush, 71 yards receiving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was he was dangerous in a game again on the road where Georgia needed him to be dangerous. And it's a, it's just a weapon for Georgia's offense that when you look across the board at the dogs receivers, now that you have transfer portal additions uh, like Dominic Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas, Lad McConkey is someone with with experience, some stability. We'll see what uh, Marcus Rosme Jack Saints able to do. And, um, of course, there's Brock Bowers. But Georgia's receiver room. He's not too bad. What's that? He's not too bad. Brock Bowers, he's, he's pretty good. Nah, he's, he's solid as well. But I, I don't know. I found it interesting that the guy that's directing the Senior Bowl is um, making a note of a dog that around here we know a lot about. And he's had a tremendous career. Uh, there were some – I guess some rumors that maybe he was going to test the NFL draft waters or um, I don't know, maybe, maybe he was thinking about the portal and some NIL helped him out. I'm totally speculating there. I don't, I'm not reporting that, but Georgia is lucky to have Lad McConkey back one way, shape or form next season. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, going off of the Terrence Edwards comments there and, you know, him being the only thousand yard receiver in Georgia history, 
I've come out and said, I think Georgia is going to have one this year, uh, you know, with, with a quarterback um, whose, whose skill set probably trends a little bit more that way than it does, you know, being a, a mobile threat um, like Stetson was not, you know, underestimating Carson Beck's athleticism a little bit, but I think that he's got a really good arm and I think that Georgia is going to use that. And I think that Georgia is going to have a thousand yard receiver. And I think lab McConkie, is one of three possibilities for it. Brock Bowers, Lab McConkey, and Dominic Lovett. Um, you know, I mean, look at and and he got close to it last year. I mean, it wasn't as close as as some. Um, you know, Bowers was still ahead of him, but I mean, to finish with 762 yards and 58 catches while Brock was having the season that Brock did, um, and while having multiple down games. Yeah, I mean, seven touchdowns. And you look at when those touchdowns came, um, you know, he added two touchdowns on, on rushing attempts too. So nine touchdowns on, on the season. You know, had two in the season opener against Oregon. Georgia needed it then. Um, you know, he had a big day against South Carolina, four catches, 52 yards. Um, you know, and, and even amidst, a, you know, not so great game against Kent State with, with fumbles and drops and whatnot, Still had six catches for 65 yards. So you're going to – if you're being used in the way that, that Ladd is being used, you're going to come across a, a down game. And, and you know, you don't want to cough the football up because that's that, that can be a killer. Um, but if you're touching it as much as he is, and, again, he's not that big of a guy, maybe you're bound to have one or two or, you know, whatever. Um but, you know, he emerged out of it with, with, you know, touchdowns in three straight games. Again, talking about, you know, when Georgia needed him against Mississippi State. He had one against Florida. He had one against Tennessee. He had a season high 94 yards in the win over, you know, a then number one ranked Tennessee team. Um, yeah, that over- uh, punt from um, the uh, the Aussie. I'm blanking on his yep. name. Thorson. Dorson. Yeah, the, the, the punt, the Brett series. Dorson flipped punt. the field, and then Georgia should have had a, a safety. And yep. then dogs capitalize on that field position One right play. away with the punch to McConkey. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that was incredibly timely. Um, you know, he played, you know, big in the postseason. Obviously, was a little bit banged up there, got hurt in the SEC championship game, and, and was limited against Ohio State, but had two touchdowns in the national championship. I mean, two touchdowns and 88 yards on five catches. That's that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good ratio there. Yeah, hitting on hitting on 40 percent of your touches there, 40 percent of your catches. So I mean, I, I'm expecting big things from him. Um, you know, Athlon has him as a second team All SEC preseason player. Um, Pro Football Focus considers him one of the top returning receivers in the country. Um, I certainly think that he can be and will be um you know are his stats going to be you know i i said that he's got a chance for a thousand yards he certainly has a chance but um you know does that mean that he had a bad season if he doesn't no because brock bowers and dominic lovett brock bowers arian smith the list goes on and on it's just good to have stability when you have a change of quarterback and at offensive coordinator um uh, that that's hard for me to overlook and we'll see how it goes. And I know that Bobo has been here before and it's not like he, he's totally feeling things out because he was an analyst last year. But when you're replacing an OC 
and a quarterback in the same season. You got to have a lot of stability elsewhere, and uh, Georgia's lucky to have that. All right, let's take a look at the new Jacksonville Stadium. Um, this is Woo! some of the models that they released today, and I think it kind of looks like the Chicago Bean and a toilet bowl <laughs> reproduced. But it's state-of-the-art. Uh, there's that, that bean look there. And, and they're going to – It's kind of a metaphor for the city of Jacksonville. What's that? I said the, the toilet bowl look might be a little bit of a metaphor for the city of Jacksonville. <laughs> I won't say that. All right, you said that. Um, <laughs> but you can tell they're, they're just widening the footprint of what the stadium will cover. And it's kind of like SoFi, where it's got this retractable yep. roof, it looks like, but it's open air if you want it to be. And I think half of this stadium in a few short years will be half red and half blue. And maybe by the end of the game, it'll be all red on uh, one half of the stadium. But we were wondering, when we were going back and forth, there's that report that Georgia and Florida would go home and home for a couple of years because in 2025 and 2026, you may be uh, needing to get this construction done. You can't have a football game in the middle of all this construction. So I was looking at who is responsible for it. And I was like, how is anyone going to flip this project? I mean, this, when you look at this thing, man, it looks aggressive. That's, um, that's not just renovations. I mean, that no. is a new, that is a new stadium because TIAA Bank, formerly known as what? What was it? Everbank. Everbank. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's been a million names there. Those two stadiums don't look alike. I mean, that that the, the Jags' current stadium and SoFi Stadium might be, you know, the top and the bottom uh, of. I the see NFL. it in the seats, but it's like they're going to wrap everything else around it in uh, state-of-the-art stuff. Now, now, the question is, are they still going to have the pool? I don't see it on there. Oh, great question. Maybe that's that, the pool back there. That's got to get addressed. If I, I mean, it's it's not a Jags game without, you know, a camera shot to the pool. Do they have – it's a little cool, I guess, for most of those games, Georgia-Florida games. Is the pool oh, yeah. working? Oh, yeah. It's, it's working – for those games. I mean, okay. It's it's late October, you know, sometimes early November. Uh but but the pool is open. It's alive and well. All right, well, that's that's good to hear. Um the the construction company that's leading it is the logo's weird. It looks like it's Hawk, H O K, but I think it might be H N K. And they are the company that uh built Mercedes-Benz Stadium and also helped out with Georgia's uh, some of Georgia's recent facilities as well. Let's see what are they what are they actually called? It's HOK. HOK. All right. For, formerly Helmuth, Obata and Casabom and legally HOK Group Incorporated. I think HOK is a good idea. Yeah. After what you just said. Um, sports and rec, what else what else have they done? Mercedes-Benz, um, they did the Hard Rock Stadium modernization. That's the one for me that says, okay, this group can probably pull it off because Hard Rock is old. It was an ancient 
down yeah. there in Miami, and they've made it look pretty sweet now. So maybe this is aggressive. I don't know. But it seems like within the next few years, Georgia and Florida will be playing in this state-of-the-art thing that looks to me like a UFO. Yeah. Um, we had some Q&A on our message board, Palmer. Before I get to that, though, I'm going to get to the only answer for Georgia Apparel. It is breaking tea. And if y'all know us, you know that we love us some breaking tea. Uh, Field of Bowers is now up top. What have they done? Where, where are the Georgia dogs? No, I'm on. All right, I'm on page two. Uh, Stetson, you're going to have to keep waiting on Stetson stuff. But we just talked about that state of the art Jacksonville Stadium. This is just that national championship logo right here with SoFi in the logo. For some reason, the Indianapolis one was never, never really jived with that one. But I think this one looks okay. I noticed that a lot of schools are doing it. It's not just Georgia. For whatever reason, they want to incorporate the stadium in the design. So if you the, like that, if you want to go for I'm that, you sure. can do it. Or you can get the Never Hunted 15-0 and 0 with the logo. Um, it's pretty sweet. I don't know what they'll do for Houston. If Georgia wins it, they'll have to incorporate a number three in there somehow. So yeah. head on over to Breaking Tea. You know you need a new Georgia T-shirt this summer. Stay cool, look cool, wearing Breaking Tea. All right, Palmer, Q&A time. And um, it's that time of the year. People are starting to wonder what's going on with the dogs on the recruiting front. You just had a commitment this week in Justin Green, but you got some more visits coming. None of those are slowing down. So this Q&A mailbag, if you want to call it that, was open to our premium subscribers only at dogshq.com. If you are not a subscriber there, you can be one for half off of what a year normally costs. So that'll be 50 bucks. If you want to be on this board, seeing the things that we answer each and every day, not just on YouTube, and uh, getting the scoop, the updates on the team, and recruiting news from Rusty Manziel and Jake Roos. So I'm just going to go through, and you and I can just kind of hop along and pick and choose some things that we want to answer. And I will start with the biggest uncommitted recruit. Georgia has the shot, best shot to land between now and signing day. For me, I'm just going off of what Rusty Manziel has told us. If you're talking about the biggest He's visiting this week. Yep. He's that's where Buford, I'm going. and his name is KJ Bolden. And I know that seems like a long shot for a lot of people who followed along with Georgia recruiting through the years. You don't get a lot of Buford guys. You don't get a lot of guys out of Gwinnett in general. Um, but this guy seems like he's interested in Georgia. He'll be on campus this week, and he'll have a lot of people with him, a lot of family with him. And they're going to learn everything they want to know from Kirby Smart and Georgia's staff. So I don't know when that'll happen. I don't know if it'll happen. But if I was going to wager, I would say that K.J. Bolden, probably the highest-rated prospect out there still that Georgia doesn't have a commitment from, that they have a really good shot to land. No, I'm, I'm right there with you, Wes. And, 
you know, admittedly did a little bit of a, a spark notes with, with Bruce on the phone before hopping on uh, to prepare for some of these recruiting questions. And, and that's who he said too. Um, you know, somebody that's been on Georgia's campus quite a bit, um, you know, a, a five-star plus player, um, you know, somebody that is very, very familiar with what Georgia has to offer. Um, dogs with a 61.8% chance to land him, according to the on three recruiting prediction machine, um, you know, a two-way player there at Buford, you know, go, go look at his highlights if you haven't. Um, I, I dove into those a little bit. Um, I guess it was after his, his unofficial for the scavenger hunt weekend. Um, and really talented player, talented on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, a, a different player, but remi- in, in the way that he is exceptional on both sides of the ball, it really reminds me uh, of Travis Hunter. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's not necessarily the exact same, but I think that KJ has that kind of presence, um, you know, for his team, just, you know, him being out there gives them a really good shot. Um, and, and I think Georgia's got a really good shot with him. You know, I, I see, uh, you know, must champs reading glasses in, in the comment section. And uh, I think, you know, Will Muschamp is, is a big part of recruiting this guy. I mean, you, you look at Georgia and their safeties in this class, um, you know, they've got two of the top four, according to the on three industry rankings with, with a really good chance to land KJ Bolden as well um, on top of Jalen Hayward and Peyton Woodyard. Um, so the dogs, you know, they're, they're not, backing down from uh, from recruiting the secondary and, 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 you know, building on what they've already got where, you know, a position at safety where they've got some really, really good players already. Malachi Starks was a five-star in, in, and a freshman this past year. Janelle Aguero, you know, was a highly rated guy. I don't think he was a five-star. I think he was just outside of five-star range um, in that class of 2023. Um, but the number top 50 player, number three guy, uh, at that position, Georgia lands him, um, you know, out out of Danvers, Massachusetts, but he spent some time down at IMG. So Georgia is, is making that safety position a priority. Um, you can certainly tell it in that class of 2024. And, um, you know, I think Will Muschamp and Fran Brown and Kirby Smart, a former safety himself, um, you know, all those guys kind of work together to recruit the secondary, and it's working. Yeah, they've got a stout operation recruiting those DBs. Our on-three scouting has uh, KJ, uh, as a reminder of Minka Fitzpatrick, KJ Bolden's well-rounded skill set reminds us of Minka, Bolden's size, athleticism, and two-way playmaking ability, similar to Fitzpatrick at the same stage. Fitzpatrick was more of a cornerback at the high school level while Bolden lines up at safety more often. And then we had this note from uh, our buddy Chad Simmons. He's an elite talent. He's a guy that's a versatile athlete. Some schools like him at safety, some at wide receiver. I think George is going to like him in the secondary. But the fact that he can go both ways like that in a uh, atmosphere and environment like Buford, that gives you a pretty good hint, pretty good clue of what he's got under the hood. Make um, right. another another Kirby Smart recruit. 
um, you know, from his time at Alabama. And, uh, you know, with the rumors flying around that, uh, that, that Georgia's five-star-plus quarterback commit may be uh, playing for Buford this fall, um, you know, come on over to the message board to check some of that out. Um, that certainly doesn't hurt their chances. And, and I know those two spent a lot of time together uh, over the weekend that they were both here in Athens. Dylan, you know, they, they shared the scavenger hunt weekend. Dylan Rayola here last weekend for his official visit. KJ Bolden coming this weekend. Two very stout weekends in a row. All right, this is from uh, our guy who just logged on here. Uh, just joined the comments, Matthew C. Who are the bigger whiners about wide receiver injuries, Alabama fans or Ohio State fans? Uh, a little bit more fun question. I think it's Alabama fans. And I know there's some recency bias with Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. getting knocked out of the game. Um, Georgia still had what they what they needed to have in that game uh, to beat Ohio State because they had locked down on him to start the second half. I'm not saying that Georgia wins necessarily if um, he doesn't get knocked out of the game, uh, but I think Georgia was ready and prepared in the second half, made the adjustments they needed to throughout that game, not just at halftime, to figure out how to shut Marvin Harrison Jr. down. So there's that element of it. There's the reality that uh, Jamison Williams was really carving Georgia up, and that's the reality. However, we've heard more from Alabama fans and still do to this day about Mechie and Jamison Williams' injuries. And uh, I think Georgia was in a fine position to win both of those games, uh, the, the national championship, I'll say. But Alabama fans are having a harder time moving on from what I've seen and heard it anyway. Yeah, and, and I think it doesn't help that those Alabama fans have fuel to the fire having seen how the SEC championship played out, you know, how a full game of Jamison Williams looked like against that Georgia defense. And, you know, he goes out, goes down in, in the second quarter, um, you know, as opposed to the third with, with Marvin Harrison. Um, you know, Alabama being down – one wide receiver already in, in Mechie that they lost in the SEC championship. Uh, you know, they were down both of their top guys and, and, you know, having to turn to some younger guys, whereas Ohio state, you know, you, you lose Marvin Harrison. Well, you know, you've still got a Mecca You've got Julian Fleming. You've got a really talented group. And I think that, you know, if you look at that game, you know, the, the peach bowl against Ohio state, it was a shootout. And Ohio State still scored their points. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how much more you could have scored. Um, you know, and, and you know, CJ Stroud was it, it doing, you know, amazing things, things that you saw out of the number two draft pick, you know, that you would expect out of a number two draft pick uh, in, in that game. So, um, you know, I, I, that being said, you know, I think you're probably right there. Um, We've heard a lot from those Alabama fans. Um, I think the biggest difference to me, we've heard a lot from Alabama fans. We haven't necessarily heard as much from Alabama media. And I think we've heard a lot from That's Ohio. That's a good State distinction. Media. 
that has because we have heard a lot from Ohio State media. Yeah, we've heard a lot from Ohio State and coaches, head coaches. You know, I mean, it it was a conversation still. um, You know, at the combine, running into some of those same guys that that we spent some time with in Atlanta, they bring they still brought it up. And, And you know, I think if those two teams matched up again this year in the college football playoffs, they'd still bring it up. Um, versus I don't know that you're going to hear that brought up from Alabama fans. So Alabama fans, I'll I'll give the – in terms of fans, I'll give the advantage to Alabama fans. Um, I think the media crown totally goes to to, uh, Ohio State. All right. How about the general pulse on how this year's team stacks up to previous teams at this same point in time. I will say, from what I've heard, there is just uh, incredible depth that continues to get better year after year at every position. But from what I've heard, um, from what I've heard Rusty talk about, this team has way more athleticism from top to bottom. And that's saying a lot, I think, because Georgia's had some pretty athletically talented and gifted teams in years past. But when you look at the quarterback room from top to bottom, all those guys have a – they all believe they have a chance to play. Beck, Vandergriff, and Gunner. Last year, I think everyone kind of believed and knew it was Stetson's team unless he went down. Um, so you start at the quarterback room, and it just funnels down from there. You have a lot of uh, – you have some hungry running backs – now that it, Kenny McIntosh is gone, you've got guys that not only are talented, but even with Georgia, you know, looking at this three peat, and you wonder, can the dogs still be hungry? A lot of players have a lot of reasons to still be hungry because they've been behind guys that have started uh, started ahead of them. And then on the line, line of scrimmage, it starts with Cedric Van Pran, and he is as talented as it comes. And he's got experience, and that is like I was talking about earlier uh, with Lad McConkey. That experience up front with Cedric touching the ball to start every single play, uh, and, and you know what he brings to the table, what he brings to the field, how gifted he is at his position, and how hard he works, and the motivation he has now playing for uh, Devin Willick. He's mentioned that. He's been on the record about that. And he's just a, a fantastic leader. On defense, you can't really replace Jalen Carter. But from what we've heard and what we've talked about, Nazir Stackhouse, it seems like he's ready to take that challenge on, whether or not he can be a one-for-one one for Jalen Carter or not. And the linebackers and the uh, defensive backs, that's Kirby Smart's specialty. And they've only gotten better and they've only gotten deeper. So from top to bottom – there's still a hunger there and there's even more athleticism. I think that's a pretty good combination. If you're a Georgia fan. No, it it definitely is. Um, You know, I I think when I I think about how this team stacks up against other teams um, in in recent years at this point in time, you know, first of all, Georgia has been able, Kirby has been able and his staffs have been able to stack success on the recruiting trail year after year after year after year and you're starting to see that you know just it's it's not you expect it now and so the the caliber of recruit that georgia is bringing in 
has gotten better and better and better as that's, you know, gone along. Um, you know, their evaluation is their evaluations are great. Um, and so, you know, I think that the caliber of player that Georgia has, the depth that they have, like you mentioned, it's it's that much better with this team than it was with the year before and the year before and, you know, on down the line. I also think, I mean, they're not replacing 15 players from the NFL draft. They're replacing 10. But, you know, I, I think that when you look at um, – I think when you look at who they're replacing – and who they're bringing back, they're bringing back a lot of experience on this group. I mean, you mentioned it, you know, on both sides of the ball, you've got, you know, Brock Bowers, Cedric Van Pran, Lab McConkey, who we talked about earlier, um, you know, on defense, you've got, you know, a group of defensive linemen. You don't have a Jalen Carter, but you've got a group of defensive linemen that, that have been around the block a time or two. Zion Logue, Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson. Um, Michael Williams is a freak and, and I think that we should expect big things from him. Um, you know, in his sophomore year, Malachi Starks on the back end freak. You expect big things out of him his sophomore year. Jamon Dumas Johnson, smile Munden at, at inside linebacker. Um, you know, Javon Bullard, Kamari Lasseter in, in the secondary. These are all guys that made major impacts on the national championship team. And, and last year, I don't think that you had that quite as much. Um, you know, so so I would say that they're in a better spot now. Obviously, I did haven't mentioned quarterback, and um, you know that's the big question with this team. But I think because of the ability to recruit, uh, and the, again, I go back to the caliber of player that they're bringing in on an annual basis, um, and, and the talent that's around the quarterback, uh, it, the talent that's around whoever is back there is better than it has ever been before. And so, you know, you combine that with the fact that Georgia is bringing in better quarterbacks than they have before. I mean, let's let's face it, Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton are all better quarterbacks being brought into Georgia than Stetson Bennett was. I mean, Stetson Bennett turned into, a you know, a, an outstanding player, but he wasn't ready his first year to take over. Uh, you know, that took some time. Uh, you know, he's he's admitted that. He was just out there playing football. He didn't really know what he was doing. I think the fact that these guys have spent time in this system, time around a great offensive mind in Todd Munkin, um, you know, who's obviously no longer there, but they've they've they stayed within the system and they they kept it in, you know, inside the the family and brought in Mike Bobo. Um, you know, I think that that's gonna help in the transition of the quarterback. So all that being said, I, I think that Georgia, you know, the general pulse on how this team stacks up to previous teams at the same point in time, I think that they're probably better, but ultimately it doesn't matter until the fall. And, um, you know, Georgia's, Georgia's got a manageable schedule. They're, they've got a schedule that they can learn, uh, you know, and, and get experienced. Um, but I, I think that, just looking at this team on, on June 7th compared to looking at last year's team on June 7th, you're probably a lot more confident. Yeah, there and, were a lot of questions and, this time last year. Oh, 100%. Kirby wanted to use spring to identify who his leaders could be. I think this year you know who they are. You know who yeah. those team captains will be um, any given game, a handful I, of dudes. I, 
Yeah, one hundred percent, Wes. Uh, now, are we are we just skipping over the question of is is Jake really as bad at hunting and fishing as Guna suggests? Because do you know the answer to that? I don't, but I'll, I'll say I'll say yeah, he's terrible because he can't because he can't defend himself. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's terrible at both. <laughs> he's probably never caught a fish. I bet his yeah, I bet his dad has to catch all his fish for him and reel him yeah. in. Yeah, and and he poses for the pictures. <laughs> uh, we'll get to a couple more recruiting questions here before we wrap up tonight. Um, which week in June will Georgia fans look back on in December as the biggest recruiting weekend? Maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment here. It's hard for me to look past uh, that first Dylan Riola weekend where they had the workout at Jefferson. I know Sammy May. Brown didn't end up in this class, committed to Clemson, but he was up there, and that's why they went over there. And maybe Georgia still reaps some rewards from that anyway. We, are, we already saw it with Colton Heinrich. Uh, you saw some talent, some committed talent up there as well, working out with Dylan Riola. So I think that weekend and that week that followed, picked up two tight end commits and an offensive line commit. Uh, that week as a whole, man, three commits in a week, two top tight end talents and all the buzz of Dylan Riola coming to campus. It's hard for me to overlook that one. So that one, that was May. And the question does ask June, but I do agree that, that if we're looking, ah, okay, if we're looking back at, at, and, and Roos and I discussed that one as well. Um, you know, for all the same reasons you mentioned, you've got, you know, uh, the, the, the five-star quarterback coming off of his commitment. Um, you know, you bring into town, uh, you know, two incredibly talented wide receivers, um, you know, both that are committed elsewhere. But if Georgia ends up landing either of them, you look at that weekend. Um, you know, of course, talking about 2024, number one wide receiver, Jeremiah Smith committed to Ohio State. In 2025, number one wide receiver, Ryan Williams committed to Alabama. If Georgia lands either one of those, there's no doubt that that weekend uh, is is the one, um, you know. But KJ Bolden, who we mentioned earlier, he was there. Um, you know, like you said, Colton Heinrich and um, and Jaden Riddell, the two tight ends, they were there. Um, you know, and, and both committed shortly after. Marcus Harrison, same thing. Um, you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball, um, mentioned Bolden, but I, I think that. You know, a linebacker that, that they're trending really, you know, well for in, in uh, Joseph Phillips um, from Alabama. You know, he was there. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you had um, Justin Williams, uh, the number one linebacker in the country um, from Texas. He was also there. And that's somebody that has scheduled an official visit for for later this month in June. Um so that was absolutely the answer. That one is the big weekend. Now, well, it feels like then it feels like this week is the be the biggest week in June potentially. If if you're narrowing it down to June, ultimately it comes down to and, and this is the cop out answer, but it comes down to who commits because if if Georgia lands, you know they already got Justin Green from this past weekend, but if they land Justin Scott or or Dylan Stewart or or Williams Nawari that you know any combination of those two you know of those three um on top of what you've already gotten in justin green um you know that that would mean that this past weekend was big um but if you end up landing kj bolden 
or Edric Houston, who's who's coming to town. Um, you know, Mike Matthews. and Ryan Puglisi's on campus. And, this and week I, too. I, I think I think you know, in the same way that having Dylan Rayola in town has been a, a draw to some of these kids to talk to, you know, who could be their quarterback. Puglisi's no no slouch. You know, these guys respect him. Um, you know, he may not be Dylan Rail. I think he's awesome, man. I yeah, I think he's a rock star. And, and so, you know, first of all, you know, Dylan Rail is going to be talking to these kids before, during, after their visit. He's going to make sure that he's, you know, blowing their phones up, making sure that they know Georgia wants him. Uh, but but having Ryan Puglisi there doesn't hurt. So, you know, ultimately it lands. It, it comes down to who you land. Um, there's there's a lot more fish in the sea, I think, from that from this this past weekend than there are this coming weekend. Um, but maybe you feel like you've got a better shot at landing, uh, you know, the big fish from this weekend. KJ Bolden, Jordan Ross, um, you know, Edric Houston. You know, probably not something someone that that Georgia, you know, the RPM says that they're favored, but the the gut feeling probably says that they're not. Um, you know, probably the same case with Mike Matthews, but you know, obviously, uh, you know, that you feel like you've probably got a better chance with some of those big fish than you do with a, you know, Williams Nawari who, who Oklahoma is in heavy on. Um, Justin Scott is, is no, uh, you know, layup for Georgia. Um, there's some in state talent that's coming this weekend, uh, that, that could be really big for keeping, uh, you know, building that Georgia wall. Um, speaking of Jordan Ross, he will be on his visit and someone asked if Georgia leads coming into this OV and I cheated. I asked Jake Roos. I did. He said, yeah, (laughs) he said, yes. So there's your answer on uh, Jordan Ross, the four star edge in Georgia, trying to beat out Tennessee, Florida and Auburn. You know, a lot of these guys, that Georgia has have the who's who offer list of SEC rivals, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, LSU, Bama. So for one reason or another, these visits are big to distinguish yourself from your rivals on the field there. Uh, So that's a good sign from Roos if you're following. And and the thing with Jordan Ross Ross, and the thing with Jordan Ross that you've got to keep in mind with him, just like, you know, Demarcus Riddick, who who is a commit, but but you know, again, talking about that gut feeling, it's probably not great right now. Um, from Alabama, that makes it really, really hard to, you know, just like it's hard to get a kid out of Georgia, uh, it's really, really hard to get a kid out, out of Alabama when you've got Nick Saban and and his recruiting staff, uh, you know, recruiting guys. Auburn, you know, with with some energy and momentum with a new staff, um, you, you see them there with the RPM prediction. And, you you know, we talk about these these SC rivals and Florida has consistently been, um, you know, a, a threat for Georgia and, and their recruits. I feel like we're starting to see Tennessee a lot more, um, you know, and that's a credit to Josh Heupel and, and the success that he's had there early in his tenure and, and getting some momentum going back in the direction that it, you know, that they had going for them, you know, in, in the, you know, late nineties and early two thousands, you know, obviously um, struggled there a little bit and in, you know, the 2010 Derek Dooley, 
Butch Jones type era. Um, but it, but it feels like feels like Tennessee's starting to get some of that momentum back, and, and you're seeing it on the recruiting trail. They've had it recently, but I'll say this. If Georgia keeps beating them, and now this will be the last year where you're guaranteed to see Georgia play Tennessee because of the um, expanded conference schedules, it feels like Tennessee is going to have a hard time maintaining that momentum unless they keep stealing wins here and there from Bama and Georgia and prove that it's not just uh, a blip. That's what Tennessee is going to have to do. But they are making and, some strides right now. And talking um, about stealing wins, talking about stealing wins, that, that that Florida game has not been, you know, done them any favors. And so that felt like they stole one from Florida. So you know, obviously those two programs seem to be trending in different directions. But you know, you yeah. got to keep winning that one. You got to keep winning, like you said, Alabama and and the Georgia and the LSU's of the world. You got to beat those teams. Uh, you know, and, and that's obviously going to be the case, especially in a, in a new look, uh, you know, no division SEC. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that split affects things because Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida, historically, all three of them are not good at the same time. It's just, it almost just seems like it's impossible. There's not enough room for the three of them in the SEC East. So we'll see what happens when the conference uh, grows and expands. All right, two more before we wrap up. Do you think uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins will move to a three technique? And what is Georgia's starting wide receiver lineup in the fall? We touched on the wide receivers earlier, but I imagine it will be Ladd, Jack Saint, and Lovett. I mean, are Lovett and Ladd sharing snaps, or, or is Lovett versatile enough to line up on the field at the same time as Ladd? They're, they're both versatile enough that they can play inside or outside, and I think that's what makes them. Uh, you know, they they do have similar skill sets, but in, in you know because they have similar skill sets, they can do a little bit of both. And so I think I do think you'll see those three. Um, you know, obviously. Uh, the, the question of you know how involved will will Rosemead you know Jack Saint be um, you know after his off season you know we, we've seen him in in Georgia's video that they posted today uh, at the leadership retreat you know he's somebody that's going to be counted on um, you know but but if it's not him then you've got you know you've got a Dylan Bell who you know I know that both of us are big fans of um, you know he, he's somebody that, that you expect to step up. Yeah, Arian, maybe Ra Ra Thomas benefits from it. Ra Ra Thomas absolutely benefits from it because he kind of has that same bigger receiver skill set. Um, you know, and then there's the Arian Smith wild card in there. You know, is he going to be an every down guy? No, you need to keep him healthy. And um, because you can't wrap him up in, in bubble wrap on the field, um, you know, the, the way to do that is to not play him every down and to use him, you know, when you need him. Um, do I think that they will use him more this year in hopes that he can stay healthy? Um, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I do think that those look starting lineup for wide receivers doesn't matter. They, they rotate so much, you know, yeah. guys will start games and, and then play less snaps than guys that are coming off the bench. So those six are going to be 
your guys that you really are counting on. Um, don't be surprised if a freshman emerges into that group um, because Georgia's got a history of that. Um, you know, certainly with, you know, Dylan Bell last year, George Pickens in the past, Dominic Blaylock in the past, um, almost called him Dominic Lovett, uh, Don Blaylock in, in the past there. Um, you know, guys like that in, in recent history and, and certainly over the, you know, Kirby Smart tenure and, and, and even before then, Georgia finds a way for those freshman receivers to make an impact, um, you know, very similarly to what they do with the freshman linebackers, um, you know, flipping things over to the defensive side of the ball there, that they find roles, specific roles for those linebackers, utilizing what they're really good at. Um, so Georgia's going to probably want to do that with some of these wide receivers. And, and they've got, you know, three really talented ones. As far as Ingram Dawkins goes, I do think he probably will move um, inside some. Um, I don't know if that's going to be – I'll put it this way. I think he plays inside some, but I don't think that that's the only spot that he'll play because Georgia does not have a ton of depth at that true defensive end position. They've got Michael Williams. They've got Tramel Walthour. That's kind of it. And, you know, Ingram Dawkins can be that kind of a guy and have Jonathan Jefferson and, and Kristen Miller provide some depth on the interior behind those guys that I mentioned earlier, Zion Logue, uh, Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson, those guys. Um, Jordan Hall is a freak show of a freshman yep. and, and he's going to be a part of this. Um, so, do I think that he lines up at some points as a three technique? Yes. Do I think that that's the only spot that he's going to like a up? permanent move? It, exactly. It, it's, it's not going to be the only spot with these defensive linemen, Trey Scott, you know, they, they want to keep, they want to keep them fresh and, and on their toes at each of these positions. So, well, they cross train um, at every group, right? I mean, the D line, the O line too, but the linebackers, yeah. Uh, in the secondary, you're not going to see Ingram Dawkins back there uh, lining up a cornerback or anything. But they, <laughs> but, but they they like to to mix it up. Um, one non-football related question: Someone asked, "You have an unlimited budget to convince <laughs> an alien." I don't know why where the budget would come in to play with the alien because I don't think they need U.S. dollars. Anyways. Uh, you have that budget to convince the alien that one particular restaurant is the best in the world. Where okay, that's where the budget is. You can, you can. We spend are spending as much the as money spend. on the alien to convince them. We're got We're it. picking up their tab. I think if I got an alien with me, the tab should be on the house. Uh, where are you taking them, and what are you ordering? I. I think that if you want to explain to an alien about food and just people, you take them to a Waffle House. Uh, I really yeah. do think it's that simple. <laughs> you, you get a great breakfast. You see some really sweet people. You see some people that are uh, struggling a little bit. You see some people, depending on what time you go in, that are not that sweet. So I think it really is a social experience and you get some good food while you're at it. So I don't need an unlimited budget for that. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Um, just because on the spot, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking about other places. Um, but I mean, <laughs> that's that's a really versatile one. A lot of a lot of you know talking about cross training. You can do a lot of cross training with that yes. menu. Um, You're cross training. Um, yeah. Let's chop some wood really quick. I'm gonna let you chop some wood about Georgia's new baseball hire. Yeah, uh, you know, announced on Monday, um, Georgia hires LSU pitching coach Wes Johnson. Um, he will finish the season there in Baton Rouge. LSU's got hosting a super regional against Kentucky this weekend. Um, you know, if they win that, obviously they advance to the final eight in Omaha. Um, and, and I think that LSU, um, you know, they've picked up a little bit of a, a, a bulldog bandwagon here um, because I think Georgia fans are going to be absolutely rooting to see LSU um, have some success because that's something that, that Wes Johnson, you know, can sell in, in recruiting at Georgia. Um, you know, it, it's not like, it's not like a football hire where you have to immediately step in and you're recruiting for, you know, immediate impact type guys, um, you know, with, with baseball guys commit at such an early age that it's, there's not the, the pressing matter that is him getting to Athens and starting to recruit now transfer portal changes that some, and I do think that that's going to be important, but realistically a lot of those guys that are going into the transfer portal probably aren't doing so until after the NCAA tournament is over. Um, especially the ones that are playing for good teams like in LSU. Um, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of people, um, you know, in, in the last 48 hours, um, putting together a story for tomorrow, um, you know, got, got a good wide variety of perspectives. Talked to somebody that covers him at LSU. Uh, talked to somebody that, um, you know, played for him at Arkansas talked to somebody that coached with him at Dallas Baptist and is now a head coach of his own um, at at a power five school. Um, If you want to do some research there, I'll let y'all put the pieces together there. Um, Not too many options uh, from the 2014 Dallas Baptist staff. Um, But do I, you know, everything that I've heard has been, you know, raving reviews about Wes Johnson. I, I think that his experience in the sec you know, at LSU, at Arkansas, at Mississippi State, um, not to mention a really good mid-major program in Dallas Baptist, that is going to really help. He's going to have a lot to sell. Um, but I also think that he's going to have – he's got some professional experience to sell too. Pitch – or, you know, was the pitching coach for the Minnesota Twins um, and from 2019 to – until this past June – uh, when he made an unprecedented move to uh, you know go straight from, first of all, he went and made an unprecedented move going straight from Arkansas to uh, major league level was the first coach in in baseball history to go straight from college to the professional level, but then made an, another unprecedented move, um, you know, three and a half years later to go straight from MLB down back to the college ranks. Um, you know, big family guy, he's got family in, in Arkansas that he wanted to, uh, be closer to, um, he's got a young daughter. Um, so, you know, family is important to him. Uh, you know, friendships, relationships are important to him. Um, you know, for, for the people that really, you know, 
I have been looking for this. He's a data analytics guy. Uh, do think that Georgia and, and the new pitching lab that they've got uh, that, that's going to be coming in with this new renovation to Foley Field, that's going to be incredible. Um, and, and I think that he's really going to be able to use that. Um, and, and overall, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the questions that I asked each of the people that I talked to is, you know, hey, why should a Georgia fan be confident that Wes Johnson can be a successful head coach? And there's a lot of reasons. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but a lot of it comes back to leadership, um, you know, his organization, um, you know, I, I've got, this is a slam dunk hire for Georgia. Um, and this is that that's one quote. And then, um, another quote says Georgia got itself a winner. And that's kind of all you can ask for in a coaching search. Yeah. I'm, I'm fired up to see it. Uh, I, I know that. Georgia fans want to see how he can recruit, and he knows the state of Georgia. He's got a pretty talented dude in his pitching rotation right now that's from the state of Georgia, and uh, Georgia's going to be watching very closely as the Bayou Bengals try to take down the rest of college baseball. I can't wait to see this change, see what he brings to it, and see this reputation he has as almost a, a mad scientist in, in in pitching and see what he does leading from the top see what kind of staff he puts together i am chopping wood about this deal right here dogs hq's countdown to kickoff summer special a dollar for three months or 49.99 for a year half off half off way cheaper than a vision pro from apple and you get almost as much information but it's all information about the dogs and it's a great time to do it with all these official visits in june and coming right up and leading right up to fall camp as we approach that in july and august so jump on that dogshq.com appreciate y'all subscribing to us on youtube we'll be back on sunday at 8 30 p.m eastern for a live show the georgia show and bark after dark also airs mondays at 9 p.m. Palmer, great work tonight. You and me, just double duty here. 12 personnel running the show. Good stuff. And we'll see you uh, on Sunday. And y'all have a great weekend. Look forward to what could be the biggest recruiting weekend of June for the dogs. Stay tuned. See ya.